0: This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. So certain nutrients are severely affected by stomach acids. For example, you know, think probiotics. So, they're the number one nutrient that actually gets destroyed in the stomach by the acids. And the reason why is because they're live microorganisms. And if they're exposed to stomach acid, they're immediately killed off.
1: Welcome to The Tonic. I'm your host, Jamie Busson, and we're here to talk about your health and wellness. Today, we'll learn how your body absorbs supplements, we'll discuss DNA in your wellness. We'll find out about vitamin drips in your immunity. And lastly, we'll explore whether bickering is ever healthy. But first, a little bit of business. Ever wonder if your probiotics are really working for you? To fully benefit from probiotics, you need to ensure they're not destroyed by your stomach acids. Clinical studies prove that enteric coating guarantees safe intestinal delivery of live, active probiotic cells. New Roots Herbal offers a variety of enteric-coated probiotics formulated to meet your specific needs. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. Find them in the refrigerated section. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. Andrea Donsky is a registered holistic nutritionist with 20 years experience in natural health and wellness. She's the co-founder and editor-in-chief of NaturallySavvy.com and a contributor to Tonic Magazine and a guest on this show. Welcome back, Andrea. How are you doing?
0: I'm great, Jamie. How are you? Thanks for having me.
1: Always a pleasure. So today we're talking about supplements and how the body actually takes in the good stuff, which is something we really don't get a chance to discuss all the time.
0: Yeah, and definitely different ways of taking them, which I think is cool.
1: Exactly. So, we're going to learn some stuff, or I'm going to learn some stuff. I expect you already know it. <laughs> when I think of taking a supplement, I think of taking like a capsule or a tablet, like that's probably pop of the mind, but there are different ways to take them, right?
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. So you could take it, like like you said, a capsule or a tablet. You could take powder, you could take liquid, you could even take it as a cream or an oil. So basically you can take them orally, topically, nasally, and even vaginally in some cases, like as a suppository, if you think feminine hygiene, feminine flora.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. So let's focus to start on supplements that are taken orally.
0: So you can actually take it in two different forms. So you could swallow a capsule or a tablet, Or you can actually take it sublingually, meaning under your tongue, which is a less known form of way of taking a supplement. So when we take supplements sublingually, the area under our tongue is very vascular. So there's a high rate of absorption and it happens really quickly. So it's a great delivery method for things you need a quick rush from. So think vitamin B12. You know that you're told, you know, take it, put it under your tongue and it's made to melt quickly and give you that quick hit of energy. But you can also do that when you take drops, for example. So I know like when I take oregano oil, I was always, you know, I always learned and I was always, I always tell other people, you want to put it under your tongue, put a couple drops under your tongue. You want to wait five to 10 seconds and then swallow it. And that allows for the quick absorption.
1: I always thought you took the oil of oregano under the tongue so you didn't have to taste it, but you know. Yeah, you still
0: taste it even (laughs) under the tongue. (laughs) Or another way you can take it is actually at the bottom of your feet. It works really well too. And then put a pair of socks on to hold in the vapors.
1: So interestingly, with the sublingual strips, my son was actually taking a co-op degree in chemical biology and was working for a company that was creating those strips for COVID vaccines for the third world. Isn't that cool?
2: Yeah, so
0: cool.
1: What happens when we swallow a capsule? or a tablet. So can you sort of explain like the biology and what happens?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So what happens is it goes directly to our stomach. So that's where it goes first. And they're designed to break down in the stomach. Then the nutrients go to our intestines where they're absorbed into the bloodstream. And then whatever we don't need is eliminated from our body. Now that's what's supposed to happen. But let's talk stomach stomach acid for a minute, because what do you think, Jamie, when you think of stomach acid, do you think of, you know, super strong do you think of light like what comes to mind
1: like uh, i once crossed lake ontario on a boat and i got so sick that like i ran out of things to throw up and at the very end uh-huh. the only thing that was coming up was the bile so i can tell you firsthand that like the stomach acid is incredibly strong like it, it just like it burns your throat if it should come up it's terrible
0: It absolutely does. So the pH of the stomach acid is approximately 1. So to give you a comparison, battery acid is a 0. Lemon juice and vinegar are a 2. And we know that we use vinegar for pickling food and cleaning our house. You could imagine how strong that is. So pH ranges from zero to 14. Zero is super acidic and 14 is alkaline. So water is right in the middle at seven. Mm -hmm. So the majority of digestion takes place in our stomach and certain supplements can help that process along like digestive enzymes or betaine HCL, which is hydrochloric acid, which helps to break down the proteins, the fats and the carbs.
1: So do nutrients ever get absorbed through the stomach or is it only through the intestine?
0: Yeah, no, it's actually the job of the intestines to absorb the nutrients. So our stomach doesn't absorb nutrients because it's acidic, right? Like you mm-hmm. were just saying, you were talking about, you know, that heavy acid in the stomach. And the lining of the stomach is so strong that it protects the rest of our body from the strong acids that reside in the stomach. So digestion starts in the milk with saliva. So think about it when you actually think of food that you start to salivate, right? Yeah, of course. Exactly, that's when our digestion is starting. So once the food goes to the stomach and it's exposed to stomach acid, it creates something called chyme. And that's the name of partially digested food that then moves to the intestines for further digestion. So certain nutrients are severely affected by stomach acids. For example, you know, think probiotics. Mm -hmm. So they're the number one nutrient that actually gets destroyed in the stomach by the acids. And the reason why is because they're live microorganisms. And if they're exposed to stomach acid, are immediately killed off. And there are many types of probiotics. So some are tougher than others. For example, like lactobacillus rhamnosus is a bit more resistant to stomach acid, whereas many of the bifidobacterium strains are very sensitive to it. So if you're looking at a label of probiotics, let's say you're looking at the bottle and you see a B with a period next to it, mm-hmm. for example, like B. longum or B. brev, then you know you want to make sure those probiotics are coated or have some type of mechanism that they don't get killed off in the stomach by the stomach acid. But on the other hand, like there are other nutrients that aren't affected as much by stomach acid, more like magnesium, copper, selenium, potassium, vitamin C, et cetera.
1: Okay. So I'm interested in this whole concept of like digestion. Yeah. So when we eat our food... Like, how long does it take to pass through the stomach? Like, is it there for, like, a half day? Like, what goes on there?
0: Uh, I love digestion. Like, my favorite topic. So, it takes about an hour for anything to get through the stomach. Is that all? However, yeah, so it's about an hour. But, big caveat, (laughs) like many other things that happen as we age, and you know, Jamie, as we're getting into our 40s and 50s and beyond, our digestion starts to slow down. So, it can actually take a couple of hours for food to make its way through the stomach. But there's also other factors that affect it, right? So, for example, stress. You know, that could affect how long it takes food to move through our stomachs. So you you think of the the gut-brain axis, right? When one is affected, the other is affected, too and your nerves. So think about your nerves that when you end up being really stressed or really nervous, you're not going to digest food as well either. So it could take it longer to actually go through. So, you know, the the key is, and the the longer that we're stressed, that it'll actually affect the absorption of our nutrients. And in the end, we can actually become malnourished if we're stressed all the time because our digestion isn't working the way it's supposed to.
1: See, I would have thought the opposite. I would have thought that if you're stressed out, it's sort of like your body is like full of adrenaline and processing everything quicker. But you're saying the opposite. It's
0: actually the opposite. The, op- the stomach turns off certain acids, yeah, like certain digestive enzymes, yeah.
1: I guess it's diverting energy to different parts of your body, right? Like who needs to digest? Yeah. If you're stressed, if it's flight or flight.
0: You're going to turn off that. Your, your body is going to make sure it does everything to help you get away from that tiger, right? From yeah. that, when you're in sympathetic.
1: So you imagine a tiger. For me, it's a bear. It's more, <laughs> it's more North American. But, you know, like you're more worldly than I am. So you you're came hilarious. up with a tiger. <laughs> So what happens after the stomach breaks down the food, getting back to the topic at hand?
0: So the nutrients become more available for absorption. So I talked about chyme a few minutes ago, right, Mm -hmm. and how our intestines do most of the work when it comes to absorption. So it goes from the stomach to the small intestines and then to the large intestine, and then it gets eliminated from our body. So if we go back to probiotics for a minute, just because they're a good thing to talk about when it comes to digestion, they do most of their work in the small and the large intestines. In fact, they populate the mucosal lining of the intestines. So if you don't have healthy mucosa and a healthy population of probiotics to help with the absorption, then you won't get the maximum benefits when taking probiotics as a supplement. So for example, if you have leaky gut or SIBO or an overgrowth of too much bad bacteria, Mm -hmm. then pathogenic microbes, pathogens can get into the bloodstream and cause other issues and leave undigested proteins, pathogens, all of that, which can lead to things like inflammation, brain fog, fatigue, et cetera.
1: Mm-hmm. And how does bloating come into it? Because like everybody thinks that, you know, when they feel bloated, it's their stomach, but it's not. It's the intestines, right?
0: Well, yeah, exa- exactly. Our food is not being absorbed properly. Or, But I mean, bloating could be a cause of other things, too. It could be right. food combinations. It yeah, could yeah. be food that perhaps that you're sensitive to. Like there's other reasons that can cause it, too. So, for example, if you have leaky gut or SIBO or an overgrowth of too much bacteria, then pathogenic microbes can get into the bloodstream and cause issues like undigested proteins or other pathogens, which can lead to things like inflammation, brain fog, fatigue, Right, gas and bloating, like all of that, can be as a result of it. So, if you're buying probiotics that don't make it to the intestines, meaning they're not, you know, they don't have a coating or some type of technology that allows them to get there, then you're flushing your money down the toilet, like literally.
1: Hmm. Okay. So that means that you know that we're, we're not getting the health benefits. But let's sort of take the next logical step, and that is, why is it important to have intestine health?
0: Oh my gosh! I mean. Truthfully, everything now, I mean, you've probably heard this too, everybody is talking about the intestines as the second brain, yeah. right? Like, I mean, that's really, you know, we, we, we have our brain and then we have our second brain. And now that is the topic of conversation everywhere because digestion and our gut is the, literally the root for so many things. So, for example, we used to think that all of our neurotransmitters were made in our brain, but we now know that 70% of our neurotransmitters are actually made in our gut, right? Mm -hmm. So, and we have that highway. We have the vagus nerve that goes from the brain to the gut and the gut to the brain. So if one is unhappy, the other one is unhappy too. So gut health is really super, super critical. So how do we take care of our gut? So what are some things that we can do? So taking a daily probiotic, Mm -hmm. getting enough fiber, really important. Make sure you're getting your fruits and your vegetables, you know, getting that fiber in 25 to 35 grams of fiber a day, which most of us are are not even getting half of that. So that's why making sure we're getting enough fiber. And if you need, by the way, you can take a soluble fiber supplement on top of that. So if you find you're not getting your five to 10 and you got fruits and veggies a day and you really need extra, taking a a fiber supplement can really help. So, and, you know, make sure it's like a soluble fiber that helps to up that. You know, eating a whole foods diet is really, really important. And making sure that you're getting enough protein, making sure you're getting good quality fat, making sure that you're getting enough water. Hydration is also really important when it comes to gut health and even brain health and everything in general, right? Because our body is made up so much of water. So all of this is really key in terms of keeping our gut health gut health in check. Now, the one thing I will say is when it comes to gut health is you want to avoid things that we know are not so good for our gut health. For example, refined carbohydrates, refined sugars, alcohol, lots of caffeine. Some people are very sensitive to caffeine. So things that are going to throw off our gut microbiome is really key. And then also looking at lifestyle. I mean, we know we talked a minute ago about stress. I mean, stress is plays a pivotal role when it comes to gut health right so trying as much as possible and I know many of us we, I mean listen we live in the real world and I get that right it's not always easy, easy to control our stress levels or you know how we're feeling right so exactly. if you can you know as much as possible integrate you know deep breathing even if you set an alarm on your phone taking you know a five or ten minute closing your eyes during the day if you're feeling very stressed just lying down for a few minutes taking a walk in nature watching a funny movie, reading a funny book, spending time with friends, animals, if that makes you happy, right? So there are so many ways that we can help stimulate that parasympathetic nervous system and also like meditation. Or if you're like me and you can't just sit there and quiet your mind so much, you can do like a walking meditation or you can go into nature, which helps a lot too.
1: For sure. So at the other end of the spectrum, so starting at the stomach and working the way down is is the colon. You want to talk about that for a bit?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, when it comes to the colon and stuff, like we said, that's where we get the absorption of our nutrients, right? And our colon is a very, very, very long. It's extremely long. So we really want to make sure that we are populating it with good bacteria. So there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria that reside in the gut. Mm -hmm. when we're stressed and when we eat foods that are not great for us is that it can throw off the balance of that good to the bad bacteria. So that's why, you know, eating that fiber, even prebiotics. Have you heard of prebiotics, Jamie? Sure. Okay, so prebiotics are like it's from fiber, right? So fiber helps to feed that good bacteria in our gut. So that's why, you know, getting enough prebiotics as well, and even fiber, uh, probiotic-rich foods, for example, like fermented foods like kimchi and sauerkraut and miso are also really good. So when it comes to our colon, like you think about, you know, when you take antibiotics or if you get a colonoscopy, right? Mm -hmm. So when you're doing, let's say, the prep for the colonoscopy, you're actually flushing out all the good and the bad bacteria in your colon. So you have to make sure that you repopulate your intestines. You know, so And to do that, you want to make sure you take a very high dose of a multi-strain probiotic with at least like 100 billion CFUs. You want to get a good amount in there. And then you also want to make sure that um, if you're going, let's say, on, on antibiotics, that you do the same thing, that you replenish that good bacteria in your gut. But if you're, if you're on antibiotics, just make sure you take your probiotics several hours apart from it.
1: Yeah, I have to say the, the prep day for the colonoscopy is, is my least favorite day in the history of all days.
0: <laughs> Tell me about it. It
1: is the worst. It's worse than the actual colonoscopy and that's saying something. (laughs) So one form of absorbing supplements that that we talked about at the top, but we saved for the last question is topical and nasal applications. Do you want to go through that for a minute?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So our skin is our largest organ. So we absorb 60% of what we put on our skin. Mm -hmm. So it's a really good delivery system if that's an option you want to explore. So like think of pain relievers that you use topically and how well they work, Mm -hmm. right? So topically means putting it on your actual skin. <laughs> yep. So examples of nutrients are, that we can actually put directly on our skin include like vitamin E, vitamin C, some probiotics. There, a lot of them are emerging now like face creams. Hyaluronic acid is mm-hmm. another big one that our body makes, but we can also put it on our skin to make it like more plump. It's also very hydrating. Mm-hmm. And we can also apply antioxidants to our skin through oils, right? Like mm-hmm. moringa or goji or cranberry. They're all really hydrating. And you can also get magnesium. I don't know if you know this, Jamie, through your skin as well. So you could take it obviously as an Epsom salt bath, or you can use magnesium oil.
1: There's also sprays out there too. We've had people come on the show talking about magnesium spray.
0: Oh, first of all, I love magnesium. (laughs) Like any form of, or any way you're taking magnesium is like my favorite. So I think that's great because 80% of us are deficient in magnesium. So I think that's a good, you know, that's important to take. And then also you can do, you know, think of your delivery system through your eyes, like eye lubricants, eye medications as well.
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you for having me, Jamie.
1: That was Andrea Donsky. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss DNA and optimizing your wellness. On the tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Their team consists of allopathic and naturopathic doctors, nutritionists, researchers, and other scientific professionals, all led by their CEO, Dr. Gordon Chang. Formulations are created on their 40,000 square foot facility located in Toronto. Omega Alpha uses only the highest quality ingredients to manufacture the most efficacious yet price-friendly nutraceuticals. For more information about Omega Alpha, visit OmegaAlphaInc.com. The Tonic is brought to you by Purely Natural. Their Liquid Greens Chlorophyll is the only line of soluble, grit-free, and great-tasting greens on the market. Liquid Greens can easily be mixed with your favorite drink to provide a sustained natural boost of energy to help you get through your day. There's unflavored, which is great with orange juice. The mint flavor is cool and refreshing. Dark chocolate has all the health benefits of a salad, but with a great chocolate taste. And for that extra detox boost, try activated charcoal and mint. Enjoy the energy, enjoy the detox, enjoy the great taste. Purely natural, liquid greens.
3: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: David Nelson is a fellow at In Vivo Planetary Health, a part of the Nova Institute for Health of People, Places and Planet, located in Baltimore, Maryland. He attended the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine, is a health, food, retail and wellness service business owner. He's written numerous academic articles and currently has one in preprint establishing the importance of the acid alkaline balance in the foods we eat. And he lives in Woodstock with his family. Welcome to the show, David. How are you?
4: Good, Jamie. Thank you. Nice to be here today.
1: We're getting really science today. I think we may. Yeah. So we've never covered this topic before. I think it's very interesting. We're going to talk about the connection between your DNA and your wellness, right? Mm-hmm.
4: Yes, absolutely.
1: So let's start with the way humans sort of take in nutrients and vitamins and all the, you know, through the foods that we eat and the supplements we take. We're not all the same, are we?
4: No. And I think that that's one of the things that people have been wondering about for a long time. Like, why does that diet or those supplements or that type of exercise work for that particular person? But when I tried those things, I got different results. So there's a lot of individualism or individuality when it comes to wellness and health. And this is one of the ways that we can kind of dial into that a little bit.
1: Okay. So what are some of the differences that manifest, right? Like we're talking about this sort of like notionally, but in the real world, what sort of things are different for
4: people? Yeah, sure. So, I mean, it's a really good question. So genes, a little background, just so we know what we're talking about, you know, genes are the things that help us determine things like eye color, hair color, uh, how tall you're going to be. There's some things that are hard coded into as we develop as a human being, but there are some other things that rise or emerge in our experience as human beings and I'll give you an example for a minute so that would be like whether or not I gain or lose weight easily right whether or not I have more fast twitch or slow twitch muscle fibers that means am I a good sprinter or should I be thinking about a 10k run right stuff like that or neither <laughs> or neither. <laughs> right. You know, and another difference, here's, here's a good one. It's kind of a fun one. There is a gene that codes for uh, something that determines whether or not you like cilantro. Yep. So for example, like I love cilantro. So when I eat it, it tastes really good to me. But there are some of my friends that has a very strong saponin taste, which is like a soapy taste, and yep. they absolutely can't stand it. There's a gene that determines whether or not you're going to like that.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm in the soap camp. My wife and I right. both have to be wary in, in Mexican restaurants. So, right, of course, because it's in a lot of things. Okay, so so you've sort of explained things physiologically, but how do these DNA differences manifest mm-hmm. when it comes to our wellness? Obviously, you touched upon one with weight, and I can tell you, like for example, my metabolism is such that it is a real struggle for me to lose weight. Like real yeah,
4: struggle. Yeah, absolutely. So I mean, what you're talking about there is something called, and so for your listeners. The science-y words are going to be single nucleotide polymorphism. Now, when we talk about this, we usually call those things SNPs. It's just a way to say it really quickly. So mm-hmm. a SNP is a single nucleotide polymorphism. And what that ha- what happens there is the gene has a little bit of a change in it. And I won't go into a lot of detail there, but that what it means is that you may produce higher or lower levels of a certain thing. So I'll give you an example. Mm -hmm. There are some genes that code for something called glutathione, which is the body's master antioxidant. There's a number of steps that goes along here. When I first started drinking, I had the worst hangovers in the entire world and continued to my entire life. When I got my dna tested and i ran it through i found out i produced substantially less glutathione than most people and alcohol increases like your need for glutathione so that's one of the ways like i quit drinking in march 2018 because my genes told me two things first of all the alcohol was really hard on my body so alcohol increases free radicals and inflammation and so i was having a hard time settling that down because i didn't make enough glutathione and secondly Uh, I have the propensity to drink genetically more than I should. So in March 2018, based on my genetics and something happening in my life, I decided no more alcohol for me. So running your genes actually gives you the ability to assess your risk profile. What are you susceptible to and how can you get out in front of that? And that's what these SNPs do, these single nucleotide polymorphisms. Another one is like focus or energy levels. And they have to do with something called, and here's another sciency thing, MTHFR. That's the gene and it stands for methyl tetrahydrofolate reductase. And what that does is it activates B vitamins. And B vitamins are how we manage stress, they're how we generate energy, uh, and they're how we do other things in our body. So if you have low levels of that like I do, you're going to struggle with focus. And I did my whole life. So when I take methylated B vitamins, I, I feel like the lights come on. So that's another way that you can like personalize this to
1: yourself. So, uh, sorry, when you're saying focus, and you feel comfortable not to answer this question, but sure. w- was this sort of like uh, an ADHD or an ADD type issue? or
4: 100%. I have adult ADHD. If I was in elementary school right now, I'd have an IEP, an individualized education plan. There's no question about it. Right. But now that I'm an adult, as long as I get my lifestyle stuff right, and having this gene information, these SNPs, really helps me, because then I know I need methylated B vitamins, I need to support glutathione status, Meditation is super important for me because I want to de escalate some of those things in my brain. And your genes kind of give you a little bit of insight into that. Like the genes tell me I'm going to respond to exercise really, really, really well. Yep. That's going to be something that's going to modulate my stress response.
1: Yep. That's interesting. I probably, I've never been tested, although my kids, some of my kids may or may not have it, suggesting it's hereditary right. and there's no way it comes from my wife's side. So just given the way my brain works, I'm pretty certain I am too. You know, I can be super focused in some respects, but others not. And when I exercise everything, there's clarity there. So sounds like maybe I could use this test.
4: Well, and you know, what's interesting, there's not a genetic cluster right now that we can say, yes, you have ADHD as a result of doing that. But here's the thing about DNA that I think is really important for your listeners to understand. And that is this, there's no other way to get this information, but It's a crucial layer of insight into your personalized health where you can understand yourself better. So why am I telling you that? This is the reason. The DNA gets more valuable over time because science uncovers more connections over time. Sure. And that's called the connectome. If if your listeners want to look into that, it's called the connectome. What is all connected so that we can optimize and live our best lives? And DNA, it doesn't change. For you, there's no other way to get the information, and it's that crucial layer that allows you now to get insight into personalized wellness, which, frankly, is where everything's going. How is this going to work for me? Because we know Tylenol works for some people, doesn't work for others. Why is that? Happens to be genetics. Hmm.
1: Okay, so if I were inclined to get this information, what are the first steps?
4: Well, the first steps you're going to want to get a DNA test from somewhere. So there's a number of ones out there. The one that I'm using is called MyHealthyLife.ca. And what I like about MyHealthyLife is you can do one of two things. You can take the buccal swab, which is you have to take this uh, sample of your buccal cells, which are inside of your mouth and then that's how they find the DNA. So you swab it, you put it in a container with a stabilizing solution, and you send it away. Uh, The company that most people are familiar with is 23andMe, and that's what I did first. I ran my 23andMe data, but the great thing about My Healthy Life is you can upload your raw 23andMe data if you already have it done. And then what it'll do is give you personalized product recommendations. So when I pull mine up, it's like, yo, you need B vitamins. you got to make sure that you do this. you got to make sure you get your N-acetylcysteine because that's a precursor for glutathione. You know, I need a little bit more zinc than normal, so I just make sure that I take that on a regular basis. These things are going to change over time, but this is like the first step into getting that personalized wellness, which it made a huge difference in my own life.
1: Okay. So you, you sort of touched upon some of the information that's going to come as a result of these tests. Is it going to tell you whether or not you have predilections towards diseases? Like, what sort of information are you going to get that, yeah, that that's is a useful? Really good
4: question. So there are some SNPs that can tell you if you're going to have some diseases or diseases, things that make you feel generally unwell or can be catastrophically bad for you. And I'll give you two examples. If you have familial hypercholesterolemia, for example, so say you're a young person and you have high levels of cholesterol, there's a genetic test that'll tell you whether or not you genetically produce way more cholesterol than you should. And those people, they do need to go on a statin pretty much for the rest of their lives. Another one is when your liver collects too much iron and then it starts to rust a little bit. And so there's a test for that as well that you can, um, that when I say it's rusting, it's like iron creates a lot of free radical damage. So there's a test that you can determine for that as well. So those are the things that you can get out in front of. But I think what most people want to know is like, how do I live a better life? Mm -hmm. And so living a better life, it's like, how do I maximize lifestyle? How do I make sure that I'm sleeping right? How do I make sure that the food I'm eating is right? And I'll tell you one thing. There's a new field called nutrigenomics that says that the food you eat can modify your genes at the genetic level. It's called nutrigenomics. So it's Hmm. brand new and it's really, really interesting. So this becomes more valuable over time. In 10 years, we'll know way more about eating a carrot and your genes.
1: What else is coming down the pipe that we should know about?
4: Great question. So I think it's four things. I think your genetic testing. So this, figuring out your SNPs, your single nucleotide polymorphisms, Epigenetics, that's still in the future, but that's how genes are turned on and off. It turns out we inherit that from our parents partly too. The microbiome is something that we inherit from our parents partially because we live in the same environment. And then the other one is going to be allostatic load. What is the environment that we live in that changes how we respond? And that's where genetics play a role. How do we respond to that?
1: Perfect. Thank you so much for coming on the show today.
4: Absolutely.
1: It's my pleasure. That was David Nelson. We have to take a short break, but when we return, we'll discuss vitamin drips and your immunity on The Tonic. I'd like to give a shout out to our new sponsor, Omega Alpha. This company is 100% Canadian owned. Hi, this is Jamie Busson of The Tonic. If you enjoy The Tonic talk show and podcast, you'll love The Tonic newsletter. With links to the podcast and articles from the magazine, the newsletter will also let you know about upcoming health and wellness events, curated articles from across the internet that expand on the health and wellness topics important to you. There's contests and prizes and so much more. Best of all, it comes directly to you. To subscribe, be sure to visit thetonic.ca. The Tonic newsletter, you know for what ails you. 100% Canadian-owned and operated, Vitamin Tree offers the best health products at competitive prices. With a wide selection of curated brands including AOR, Genestra, Pure Encapsulation and Metagenics, as well as discounted pricing and Canada-wide shipping, shopping for your supplements is more convenient than ever. Visit www.vitamintree.ca to shop today. You're
3: listening to The Tonic on Sumer Radio.
1: Dr. Simona Skirtu is a graduate of the Canadian College of Naturopathic Medicine and a board-certified naturopathic doctor with prescriptive authority. Dr. Simona has a primary care practice with a focus in pain medicine, chronic migraine and headache management, post-concussion treatment, autoimmunity, hormone health and digestive health. Using an evidence-based approach, research and in-depth testing are paired to guide a comprehensive treatment plan. Welcome to the show, doctor. How are you?
3: I am very good. Thank you for inviting me,
1: Jamie. Always a pleasure to have new guests on. And we're talking not only with a new guest, we're talking about something we've never covered on the show before, and that is vitamin drips and how they might help you boost your immunity. So what is it we need to know about our immune system? Why is it so important?
3: Well... The immune system is a large network of organs, white blood cells, proteins like antibodies. And this system works together in a very complex interaction. A healthy innate immune system is both a detective scanning the body for potential threatening invaders and a first responder in, a responder in case of infection. And it is now understood that to be the gatekeeper for coordinating the body's entire immune response. And I want to touch on gut microbiota and its relationship to the immune system because this is really important. So the innate immune system and the gut microbiota have a reciprocal relationship with any microbial disruption or dysbiosis in the gut potentially altering the immune response and vice versa. The immune system, which is primarily located in the gut, about 70% of it is actually in the digestive tract, is influenced and actually thought or trained by the gut microbiome. And the microbiome helps determine the vitality of the immune system as well as its set point for pro-inflammatory response to infection. Some studies actually suggest that maintaining a healthy gut microbiome is inseparable from whole health. And as a result of that, supporting the balance of intestinal flora is an integral part in supporting healthy immune system.
1: If that's true, how can one support their natural health immune system?
3: Well, as I said before, supporting healthy microbiome and increasing antioxidant levels are cornerstone and absolutely essential for strengthening immune response and improving overall health. Since the gastrointestinal tract harbors the majority of the immune system an immune system's activity, it is essential to keep it nourished with the necessary nutrients for healthy gut microbiome. So, for example, consuming a diverse array of fruits and vegetables, such as fruits that are rich in antioxidants and phytochemicals, which are actually anti-inflammatory nutrients, also consuming fermented foods and fiber may all contribute to reduced oxidative stress. Support the liver to promote efficient detoxification and boost overall immune system function. Uh, these fruits and vegetables also contain soluble fibers that feed, so to speak, uh, the commensal microbial community in the digestive tract to optimize gut balance, and also contain insoluble fiber that assist in the efficient processing and elimination of the waste from the intestinal tract. Just to give you a couple of examples of these food-based Phytochemicals with immune regulating activity. For example, quercetin, which is available in apples and onions, with virtual available in high quantities in grapes, EGCG from green tea, and curcumin from turmeric.
1: What are some of the supplements that you would recommend that would help in addition to the three that you just mentioned?
3: Antioxidant nutrients such as vitamin A and beta-keratin, vitamin C, E, selenium, copper, and zinc improve different parts of the immune function and play a protective role in the event of an infection. So they're absolutely important for, for healthy immune system. Vitamin D may activate certain antimicrobial immune messengers and modulate cellular dis- and repair. So very important uh, vitamins and nutrients for the overall health of the immune system. And in addition, uh, 2020 review suggested that phytochemicals including quercetin, procuring, resveratrol, and misculforexene inhibit excessive inflammation and reduce viral replication and support healing. So these are all very important nutrients to consider when we think about the immune system.
1: What about lifestyle choices? Is there anything we can do that will help our immunity?
3: Absolutely. Personalized therapeutic interventions that focus on modifiable lifestyle factors may optimize immune system function while supporting overall health. So I want to touch on just a few points here. Sure, They're all important in supporting healthy immune function. So number one, therapeutic food plans, they're always individualized, but They generally uh, include a diversified diet, at the same time limiting consumption of processed and refined foods and encouraging consumption of adequate dietary fiber. They all promote health of microbiome and also supply building blocks for the immune system. Mm -hmm. Another point here is uh, reduction of dietary triggers and toxic exposures. First, uh, it's important to adjust food preparation. For example, grilling, frying, and, and broiling, as opposed to boiling and steaming, can create more oxidative compounds, which can provoke an inflammatory response, taxing the immune system. And secondly, including antioxidant-rich, nutrient-dense foods in a daily diet, organic if possible. Supplementing with multi-strain probiotics, or even consuming fermented foods such as yogurt, kefir kimchi, miso, and sauerkraut, they all provide microorganisms that may help with immune response. Adequate sleep and sleep quality is very, very important due to its restorative and regulatory ability. Sleep has a major influence on immune function and inflammatory signals. Therefore, getting good quality and sufficient quantity seven to eight hours of sleep is of utmost importance and is part of the an integral part of immune maintenance.
1: Okay. Let's talk about vitamin drips, which I know is part of your practice. Can you tell me a little bit about what they are and how it sort of fits in with helping with your immune system?
3: Of course, yes. Vitamin drips, also known as IV drips, intravenous drips, they're more than a celebrity wellness trend. They can be highly effective treatment tools for complex medical conditions, including supporting immune system, or even just support general health promotion so vitamins and minerals and amino acids are essential for the optimal functioning of the body they are necessary building blocks and cofactors for growth vitality metabolism and general well-being but unfortunately many of us are not receiving optimal nutrient levels from our diet due to either poor digestion malabsorption food sensitivities or whatever other reasons. So when food or supplements are taken orally, they must pass through the gastrointestinal tract for them to be absorbed. Vitamins and minerals are not completely absorbed by these root, unfortunately. It's not such an effective way to supplement. Okay. Uh, resulting in IV drips lead to much higher blood concentration levels of nutrients that can be achieved by taking them orally. So IV drips really can contribute to uh, the desired therapeutic effect that we're looking for. So in short, IV infusions deliver a higher concentration of vitamins and minerals into the bloodstream and at a much quicker rate compared to oral administration.
1: Okay. Are there any other benefits to taking the drips or is it yeah. mostly the absorption?
3: Well. Of course, the fact that the nutrients are infused via IV route, they can flood the body and the cells with with the necessary nutrients, stimulating healing. So, of course, formula is uh, individually formulated, making recommendations to patients from previous preliminary blood, blood tests or just depending on their health concerns. Some of the most common formulations are, of course, supporting immune function, supporting body detoxification pathways, providing building blocks for balanced neurotransmitter production, delivering antioxidants for cellular and cardiovascular health, and generally just restoring nutrient stores overall.
1: Okay. We have time for one last question, and that is, do you have any other tips you could share with us Add as to, you know, what is the simplest things that we could do to start? We could start immediately that would improve our health.
3: Well, nurture healthy and loving relationships and love. Love with all your heart. And I suggest we all start right now. Um, Go out there, share a smile, a hug if we can. Social relationships are a significant determinant of overall health and including immune health and the absence of these essential relationships collectively referred as social isolation uh, has been implicated in the upregulation of pro-inflammatory processes and reduced immune function so healthy loving relationships that would be my advice
1: fantastic thank you so much for coming on the show today
3: thank you jamie thanks for having me
1: that was dr simona skirtu nd we have to take a short break but we'll be right back on the tonic Ever wonder if your probiotics are really working for you? To fully benefit from probiotics, you need to ensure they're not destroyed by your stomach acids. Clinical studies prove that enteric coating guarantees safe intestinal delivery of live active probiotic cells. New Roots Herbal offers a variety of enteric coated probiotics formulated to meet your specific needs. Available exclusively at fine health food stores. Find them in the refrigerated section. To ensure these products are right for you, always read and follow the label. they want everyone to share in the goodness they offer visit their website for more information at thebigcarrot.ca hi this is jamie busson i'm not only the host of the tonic talk show and podcast i'm also the publisher of the tonic magazine the tonic is published six times a year and is delivered with the globe and mail to home subscribers in toronto west of victoria park It's also available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA. And if you miss it, you can also read The Tonic online at thetonic.ca. Hey, if you like The Tonic talk show, I know you'll love The Tonic magazine.
3: This is The Tonic on Zoomer Radio.
1: Dr. Lise Janelle is a human potential expert and relationship coach with over 25 years of experience. Since 1989, she's helped thousands of professionals, entrepreneurs, executives, and artists take quantum leaps toward their vision of success. With an extensive background as a holistic chiropractor, Dr. Lee's founded the Heart Freedom Method, a powerful mind-body tool that dissolves subconscious beliefs and unlocks a transformative mindset to overcome self-sabotaging behavior. Welcome back to the show, Lise. How are you?
2: I'm great. Thank you for having me back. I love Connecting with you.
1: Yeah, me as well. So today, this may not register on a lot of people's radar as maybe a self-sabotaging behavior, but I think if you've witnessed it amongst friends or family, it's kind of like surprising and and that's bickering. Mm -hmm. Do you see a lot of couples who bicker? Is that part of your practice? Is it common?
2: Well, when people come to see me in the beginning, it's a very common uh, challenge, bickering in relationships. But after... People get a few pointers. It's actually pretty easy to fix. It's not a big problem once you understand some basic fundamental choices. But definitely, bickering is not fun. But the people around when the bickering bickering is happening, but the the relationship itself, it's it's not a a slippery slope. Constant bickering.
1: Yeah. What do you think is behind it? Like, what's the bickering about?
2: I fine, like there's different kind of bickering, like this bickering that happens just when uh, someone is stressed out, they didn't sleep well, or they had a challenge with they some you know at work or something, and it's just like they're just exploding. But it's not always the same thing that they're bickering about. It's, it happens once in a while, so that's not as you know as challenging. But when people bicker constantly, over and over again, it's usually because it's not because of the partner actually. No. No, it's usually about some unresolved business within the self where we're projecting onto a partner the stuff that, that's not working for ourselves. For example, so often I will have, but it's true, I will have a woman coming with a long list of things that are not working with her husband. Yeah. And she's very unhappy and, and they bicker and she's telling me all these things. And then I, I usually ask, the question, how happy are you with your career? <laughs>
1: right, okay, yeah.
2: <laughs> and then that's usually where it happens. So all the frustration they have within themselves, not feeling that they're, you know, living their full potential, feeling like they're not doing all the things they should be doing to be happy, and then we start looking to our partner to do the things for us that we actually need to do for ourselves. So that's, that's one big big challenge I see with with bickering. The other thing that I see is having this belief that you settle for someone that was not the right person. Mm. So that becomes a big challenge because if you want to stop the bickering, then you have to do more inner work and you have to be willing to face the fact that maybe right now I'm bickering because I feel I settled. I'm scared of facing that possibility because facing that possibility would mean that I actually need to leave and I'm not w- willing to do this. So that, that's the type of thing that I find is happening constantly all the time when, when people can't stop the bickering. It's from one of those reasons. It's either they're projecting their own stuff, their unresolved stuff on top of their partner, or they're not doing what they should be doing for their own self, make themselves happy. And a big part of that is not acknowledging to themselves that they don't feel this is the right relationship to be with. And they're too scared to do the work that would get them to face what's actually going on because what if I leave this relationship? I might never find someone better or I'm going to lose half my asset. I'm going to lose my money. I'm going to lose my financial security. And they become really frustrated and that frustration shows up in the relationship that way.
1: OK, so for a second, let's look at like couples who are bickering. Uh, is it ever a good thing? I'm not talking about arguments, but just bickering. Is it a healthy way to let off steam or is that just a, a justification or a rationalization?
2: Well, we are all human, so we all, you know, feel frustrated once in a while. And as long as you can talk about it afterwards, in my opinion, bickering is, is it's just a symptom. It's not the cause. Right. And when you see yourself bickering too much, it's like, okay, we need to take a time out. And I have a really great process for that that usually stops bickering in its track. Okay. And I call this the extreme freedom process. Okay. I used to call it FedEx from the universe, but I thought FedEx (laughs) might not like it.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you have the copyright for that. that. Yeah. So
2: I changed it to extreme freedom process because it's challenging. You definitely need to face who you are. So it's four questions. So the first question is, what is my partner's problem? Mm -hmm. What is it that I dislike? What is pushing my button? Mm -hmm. So let's say you feel like they're lazy. They're never picking up after themselves. They leave stuff all over the, the place. I constantly have to pick it up. All right. So that's number one. Number two, is what is the solution to their problem if they only listen to me right now and they did what i want them to do their life my life everybody's life would be better Mm -hmm. so in this case it could be well they just need to start being respectful and not only thinking about themselves watching the impact of what they do and the results like what happens when you do something they need to become more conscious Mm -hmm. so Number three, the catch yeah. <laughs> so the catch, is where in your life, which area of my life do I have that problem? Where am I being disrespectful? Mm-hmm. Where am I putting my stuff all over the place? And my stuff can be my emotions. Mm-hmm. So bickering could be one of those. Like I just let my emotion go bleh and I just, you know, spew my emotions all over the place. And four is, How can I use the solution to myself? So how can I become more respectful? How can I, you know, think about the impact of what I'm doing on on my partner and my relationship? Because we need to really remember that when we meet someone, we engage because we want to live happily ever after, which means we want to grow in love. So we cannot be children. Because a, a child only thinks about what can I get from mommy or daddy? Yep. And everything, what can I do for mommy or daddy? And so when you're in a your relationship, you need to be conscious. You need to realize that it's your responsibility to make yourself happy. So you don't look for your partner to make you happy. Because that never works. Nobody can make you happy. A partner's job is to be a good friend, but if you look even in your regular friend, You never would ask your friends to come and take over your life and try to make you happy. That's not going to happen. So when you do the extreme freedom process, I can guarantee you, it's, it's actually really amazing. Either one, they'll stop doing the things that you didn't like. Or two, right away, just by deciding to work on that number four, like how can I use the solution to their problem to my own self? Mm-hmm. Just focusing on that for yourself. All of a sudden, doesn't push you buttons anymore. Or three, if it's just a regular person, often like the if if you're doing this process just on a you know a neighbor or somebody who's annoying you. Yeah. All of a sudden, they're not in your environment. So going through the process is really good, and I can guarantee you, if you do this and you do it with honesty, the bickering will will go away, because bickering is just a symptom, it's not the cause. There's always a reason. Like with my background as a holistic chiropractor, whenever someone would come to see me, if they had a headache or they had a stomach ache or they had, you know, whatever ache, something was not going well, I was not interested only in the symptoms. I was always looking for the cause because if you look for the cause, then the symptoms
1: go away. Right. So I guess we're distinguishing between bickering and an argument. Because an argument is grounded presumably in one issue, whereas bickering is more of a state of mind, right?
2: Exactly.
1: Right? So there is a way to have a principled argument, right? Like we can, this is the last question, this is all we have time for, but there is a way to sort of express yourself if you're unhappy without bickering, right?
2: I agree. An argument, and that's, you know, I don't believe in too many rules, but one rule, when you are in an argument, you need to promise each other that you'll never try to hurt each other in that if you enter an argument, you're entering the argument with the goal of finding a solution. Yeah. So you can be emotional, you can you know, tell how you're feeling, which could be challenging for the partner, but you're allowed to do this, but you never, ever strive to hurt your partner. An argument is often quite healthy because it shows that something has been, been pushed down, you haven't been letting it out, and then it just spews out, but if you don't do that, that's when you end up having real deep trouble in relationships. I think arguments can be healthy. Bickering is not, but it's easy to fix with that, the extreme freedom process I just talked about.
1: Yeah, I, I would say in conclusion, like if you're bothering to argue about it, it means you still value the relationship. For me, if I'm not even going to bother telling somebody what's, what's, what I'm upset about with them, it means I'm done. And so I think if you're willing to argue, it means you're willing to fight for the relationship. But that's just my perspective.
2: Yeah, I was going to say exactly the same thing. So, perfect.
1: Yes, totally well, agree. All right. Well, then we're on the same page. We're, in, we're not in argument, Lise. We're on the same page. <laughs> thank you so much for coming on the show today. You're welcome. That was Dr. Lise Janelle. Thanks to all my wonderful guests, Andrea Donsky, David Nelson, Dr. Simona Skirtu-ND, and Dr. Lise Janelle. And thank you all for listening to The Tonic. You can listen or download this episode as a podcast with full show notes, contact information for our guests, and links at thetonic.ca. To find out more about the show, you can always follow us at It's The Tonic on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. For great articles written by amazing health and wellness writers, be sure to pick up your copy of The Tonic Magazine. The March-April issue is available free on racks at over 100 locations across the GTA and delivered with the Globe and Mail to home subscribers in Toronto, west of Victoria Park. Or you can visit our new website, thetonic.ca. If you're interested in providing feedback or suggesting topics for the show, you can always email me at jamie at thetonic.ca. On our next show, we'll discuss the health and wellness issues that are important to you. Until then, this is Jamie Busson, wishing you a healthy and happy week.